0: This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources, or info, check out our website, www.anchorchurch.com.au. Amen. Well, my name is James. Uh, I didn't introduce myself before. If we haven't met, I'd love to meet you uh, after the gathering today. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm part of, well, actually just have joined the West Pimble Gospel Community Who are down here, so that is new and that is exciting, but I want to share a message with you today with us called Faith in the Midst. And I want to start by telling you about uh, back in 2019, my wife Katie and I, we embarked on a journey traveling around the world, and one of the stops we made was San Francisco. And when we came to San Francisco, we decided to do all of the touristy things. So we went to Fisherman's Wharf and went out to eat at different places we thought we should go to. And one of the things we did was we, we wanted to cycle across the Golden Gate Bridge. I think there's a photo behind me if you don't know the Golden Gate Bridge. And I have to confess to you guys that that was really, actually a really traumatic day for me. I um, You see, since 2018, when I had a series of panic attacks, I started to develop over the last couple of years just some fears around things that I previously hadn't been afraid of. And so a mild to moderate fear of heights is one of the things that's kind of been new for me the last couple of years. And so I actually found the cycle across the bridge terrifying. So let me just set the scene for you. It's kind of tragic, but it's also kind of funny. So the Golden Gate Bridge, for cyclists and for pedestrians, they all share one path. And so obviously the cars are going across and then on one path you've got the pedestrians and the cyclists going both directions. And so the pedestrians and the cyclists walking down this direction are sharing this half of the path, and then the pedestrians and the cyclists coming back in the opposite direction is sharing the other side of the path. And so it's not to say that it's a particularly narrow path, but it's not particularly generous in size for all those different groups of people. And uh, I'm not an overly confident cyclist, I will admit. And so, I'm cycling, Katie's like in front of me, and I'm not very confident on this thing, I'm trying to keep my balance, while simultaneously trying to avoid bumping into people. And like, there's a real mixture of people, there's like San Francisco locals who do this run across the bridge, it's about 2.7 k's every day. Um, there's Heaps of tourists who keep stopping, like pedestrian tourists who keep stopping at the wrong times and you're about to bump into them. And so I'm trying to navigate all of this traffic and stimulation while simultaneously, every so often, glancing over the edge and just looking down and seeing nothing but blue. And the Golden Gate Bridge isn't like this Sydney Harbour Bridge where, you know, if you're walking along it, there's fencing that kind of goes all the way up and so you feel kind of enclosed, uh, even though you can obviously look through. The Golden Gate Bridge just has kind of a railing, probably about yay high, shoulder height, and so I am freaking out. I'm like cycling like... This is a family of like Filipinos, I'm like, don't stop and take a photo now, I'm trying to navigate. I'm I'm watching the edge and I keep imagining in my mind just that I'm going to collide with someone and I'm going to come off my bike and tip over the edge. So on the way down, it was fine because we were on the left side and so there was people and, and cyclists in between us and the railing. But on the way back, it was just the railing next to us and so I just started to feel this fear, just anxiety just rising up in me. And, but there was nothing I could do, right? It was like, we just gotta get off, <laughs> we just gotta get off this bridge, man. And so Katie's, I don't know where she is, but I'm like, I gotta get off this bridge. And I'm just freaking out, and I keep looking over, and I'm like, I should stop looking over because looking over is making me worry. And so, to calm my fear and try and, out of sheer panic almost, I just, I, just, I just determine in my head, I'm not going to look over the edge. I'm just going to look straight ahead. And I start singing, half singing, half shouting, I will look up by elevation worship. And so I don't know if you're familiar with that song, but the chorus is like, I will look up for there is none above you. And I'm literally singing this, and it's so pertinent to me in that moment because literally that's just what I'm trying to do, just keep my eyes looking up at the bridge and the path in front of me and the people because if I do that and I look up, then I won't notice just how far down the drop is and how much I'm freaking out about that. And so later on, you know, we make it, I'm alive, so... We make it to the end and uh, we go on Eat in and out and I'm telling this to Katie and I'm like, did you know I was like shouting the words to I Will Look Up by Elevation Worship? And, uh, and she just starts laughing at me. <laughs> but I feel like my experience cycling across the Golden Gate Bridge kind of captures the essence of maybe what many of us have felt or are feeling in this moment in time. Like, if we could just be real in church today. Like, we're coming up on 24 months since the beginning of the pandemic, almost two full years, and the pandemic has just brought up all these fears within us. And so maybe you're here today, and you have just been triggered, and you have been ruminating and worrying and obsessing over these specific fears, maybe to do with physical health, or the well being of your loved ones, or maybe your job status or job security. And if, if you're not one of those people who, you know, these specific things will come up, I think perhaps you can relate like most of us can, that all of us have just gotten used to living with this general sense of underlying nagging anxiety that just comes from uncertainty. Because our lives have been so interrupted and we don't know what's gonna happen, and things are changing on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so we just have this general sense, like, man, something could just go wrong. I don't know, I don't know, I just, I just feel, I feel restless. And so we read the news, and we don't know whether to laugh or cry. Like, for me, it's like this trade-off. I go through these different seasons of, I get so engrossed in the news because I want to know everything. But then that process heightens my anxiety, And so then I get cynical and burnt out and tired, and then I go, you know what, stuff the news, I don't even care. I'm just living in my little world, and I don't even need to think about anything. And so I ignore it all in order to protect myself. So I wonder if you can relate to this. And I wonder if your mind feels restless today. I know for me, I've been doing recreational activities, but so often I never truly feel at rest. You know, we're numbing ourselves with things or behaviours that are proving to be nothing more than quick fixes or just episodes of escapism as we binge Netflix, drown ourselves in tech and stimulation. Some of us even perhaps maybe unknowingly have begun to pull back and distance ourselves from community and relationships and responsibility in an attempt to shield ourselves from things that we perceive are outside of our control. So it's like, if I can only control these things in my life, then actually let me just remove, let me, let me cut myself off from other people, from community, from relationships, from responsibility. It's a safety mechanism. And I think most of us would agree that this is not how we want to live. Right? Like we know deep down something is not right. This is not how we want to live. These are not the kinds of people that we want to be. Characterized by uncertainty and anxiety and fear and, and chaos and confusion. Some of us giving in to cynicism and bitterness. So, what do we do in this moment? Do we just wait for our, perhaps we just wait, we just wait for our external circumstances to change. You know, who knows when that will be, but maybe we can just kind of hibernate and wait that out. Or, you know, we're just waiting on the state of the world to improve. When COVID is, when all the million variations of variants of COVID are gone and the government leaves me alone or whatever, then everything will be fine. Then, then I will feel better. Do we continue just numbing and distracting ourselves, or is there another way? So if you've got your Bible there, come with me to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to explore this morning. We're going to see how Jesus responded when his disciples found themselves in a situation that brought up fear in them. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. And so let me set the scene for you here. So we're somewhat early in Jesus' ministry, the fourth chapter of Mark. And uh, he's arrived. He's, he's called the disciples to himself. He's called Levi. He's called the fishermen, And he started performing miracles. He's had a few confrontations with the Pharisees who are kind of questioning him. And while all this is happening, he's he's gained quite a large crowd, quite a large following, because they see him doing these miracles. You know, he's healing sick people. He's casting out impure spirits. He's teaching with authority. And so this large crowd is following him. And so that's where we find ourselves here. A large crowd has just gathered to listen to him teach, and he's just taught on the parable of the sower and of the mustard seed. And here we are in verse 35. Mark says, That day... When evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And so leaving the crowds behind, they took him along just as he was, so he didn't grab anything, and they took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were also other boats with him. Verse 37 says, Then a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And so what's happening here is Jesus has got into the boat with his disciples. He's just been teaching. He's like, let's go over to the other side of the lake. Probably just because, to be honest, he just wanted a rest. He probably just wanted a break from the large crowds and the noise and the people, he just wanted to hang out with his boys. And this furious squall came up. Now I had to Google this. Squall, what is that? Well, it's a sudden, violent gust of wind or a localized storm, especially one that can bring rain or snow or sleet. So we were on holidays uh, a couple months ago, and we were out deep-sea fishing on a charter, and the waves started to get a bit, a, bit, a bit high, and some of us on the boat started to feel a little bit seasick. Now, that's nothing compared to what this storm was like, this squall. Mark says that waves start breaking over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So you can imagine disciples. And you've got to remember, four out of the 12 disciples were fishermen. So these guys are not like, you know, it's not like me on a dinghy with a lifeboat being like, I hope I don't fall in the water. Like No, these guys are like experienced on the sea. They know what they're doing. They're probably used to mild to moderate storms, adjusting on the fly, figuring out what they have to do in order to make their living And so you can imagine how big this was. The waves are crashing over the boat. The disciples, they're doing what they normally do. They're like, okay, we can deal with this. But it gets bigger and it gets bigger. And then they start to, oh, wow, it's starting to flood. The water is starting to gather around our feet. This is bigger than the storms we would normally deal with. And they start to freak out, And we see the fear in the disciples' hearts rise to the surface as they rush to wake Jesus from his sleep. And in desperation, I can imagine, they cry out to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It says, meanwhile, Jesus, where's he? Verse 38, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. I definitely could not have done that. So in this moment, we see the contrast between the disciples' fear and Jesus' peace. And Mark goes on in verse 39. He writes, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then Mark concludes this section by saying the disciples were terrified and they asked each other, who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And so Jesus, who was just literally asleep seconds before, he gets up and he speaks to the storm and he calms the storm by the power of his words, by the will of his words. Performs this miraculous act of power, and it says that it was completely calm. The contrast in those two moments must have been incredible for the disciples to witness. Chaos one second, peace the next. And then Jesus, he highlights the contrast between fear and faith. Notice these two questions that he asks them, in verse 40, firstly, he says, Why are you so what? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And so Jesus here is presenting this playoff between fear and faith. This is a, and this is a really challenging teaching. This is really challenging for me as I wrestled with this this week. But Jesus, he's saying, of these two, of these two qualities, fear and faith, They play off against each other. One gives way to the other. Either fear will displace faith, or or faith will displace fear. So the pastor and writer, uh, Louis Giglio, he says, the antidote to fear is faith. The antidote to fear is faith. And now this doesn't mean that if you happen to have faith in God that you'll never experience fear. It doesn't mean that if you have faith, you'll never feel frightened, and that if you ever do, you should feel guilty about that. But what it means is the presence of faith has the power to diminish the presence of fear in, in our hearts and in our lives. That if faith is in the, if faith is in the driver's seat... If faith is the driving force in our lives, then yes, fear can, it can rear its head, but it will not take over. We will not have to succumb to fear. So Anka, let me ask you this morning, let me ask you, especially in light of the last couple of years and even what we're facing right now, where has faith been displaced by fear in your life? Where has fear displaced faith in your life? Now, this might be one of the most important self-examining questions that we could ask ourselves this year at this moment in time. And you might be thinking, hold up, hold up, James, I didn't come to church to be challenged. I don't want to self-examine. I just wanted to come and be comforted. It's, It's not fair for you to ask that question to me. Don't you know what I've been through? You couldn't understand what I faced. You know, I had to be in isolation and miss this really important thing. One of my family members got sick. My job security has been up in the air. I've had all this division and conflict with my family and friends because of vaccine opinions. I got COVID. I don't know what you've been through, and it's not I'm not here to diminish that this morning, but notice how Jesus responds to the disciples' fear. Notice his response to their cries. He calms the storm. He removes the source of their distress, but he also manages to challenge them at the same time. You see, the path of discipleship has room for both comfort and consolation and challenge. When we come to church, when we we meet in gospel communities, as we open up the word, as we come to God in prayer, as we meet with mentors, we don't just come to be comforted and consoled, but we also come to be challenged. And you see, Jesus doesn't challenge the disciples because he's insensitive. It's not because he wants to minimize the reality of their trouble. He's not pretending that their distress isn't real. No, he challenges them because he cares about the state of their hearts. See, when God challenges challenges you in the midst of hardship, when there's a lesson to be learned even in trouble, it's not because he doesn't care about you, but it's because his priority is not solely removing the distress in your life, but about growing your faith. And so after seeing him perform this incredible miracle of calming the storm, the disciples are filled with terror and awe, Mark says in verse 41. And they ask each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. So, Anchor, I want to ask you this morning what will define your year? When we get to the end of 2022, and we're watching that ABC show, waiting for the fireworks between 9 and 12, and you're reflecting, and we all put up our obligatory. Instagram posts about the year that's just passed, when you look back on 2022, will you look back on a year defined by fear or defined by faith? Now, I need you to listen to me here because having faith in God doesn't mean pretending that the storms of life aren't real. It doesn't mean pretending that the difficulties you're facing aren't there because the disciples were in a real storm. Like it wasn't make-believe, they weren't pretending or exaggerating, and yet Jesus still called them in that moment to be driven by faith. And so when you face storms this year, how will you respond? See, we need to understand that faith, it's not the power of positivity. Faith is not wishful thinking. What I'm calling you to, what the Word is calling us to this morning, is not wishful thinking or ignoring the facts or sweeping hardship under the rug. No, faith is trust and abiding confidence in the One who has a proven track record of faithfulness to us. See, come with me to verse 40. I need need you to see this because this is so important. Notice in verse 40, Jesus' question. He says, do you still have no faith? The still is so important. You see, his question is not, do you have no faith? As if faith is some quality that we can attain through keeping a positive mindset or manifesting, you know what, 2022, good vibes only. That's not the pathway to faith. No, when Jesus asks, Do you still have no faith? His question is not about faith as a state of well being to attain, but about trust and confidence in Him. That's what the still is referring to. He's saying, After all we've been through, after all that you've seen me do, do you still have no faith? Don't you remember me healing the leper? And the paralytic, don't you remember me casting out impure spirits? Don't you remember me defending you when the Pharisees came to accuse and condemn you? Don't you remember me choosing you? Don't you remember me calling you family? After all this time by my side, do you still not trust me? Now, I know that it's been a difficult few years, and many of us have encountered furious storms of our own. It could maybe be the case that you're here this morning, or you're tuning in online, and you are going through a storm of your own right now. And just like Mark says in chapter 4, it is a furious storm. I want to call you, I want to call us to faith in the midst. Even when we can't see the end, even when we don't know up from down, I want to remind you that Jesus is with you in the storm. And not only that, but he has the power to carry you through it. He is with you. You see, the basis of our faith is not the strength of our optimism or the power of our positivity. In fact, it's got nothing to do with us and everything to do with the power and the presence of Jesus. So how would you respond differently to the storms of life this year if you remembered That in that moment of trial, in that moment of trouble, in that moment of receiving news that you didn't want to receive as you're tempted to let fear rise up in you and you feel that anxious response coming, that you can so easily just latch onto and let define your day and your your week and your month and your year, what difference would it make to you to remember, in fact, to believe that Jesus is in the boat with you? that he loves you, that he is for you, that he has the power to carry you through. See, this year when the storms come our way, I want us to remember the faithfulness of God. You know, that question that he asked, do you still have no faith? What has God done in your life? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for three months. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for 30 years after all this time, what have you seen him do? How has he delivered you? How has he been faithful? What answered prayers can you, can you bring to your recollection? What has he protected you from or kept out of your life or removed from your life? How has he provided? How has he brought good and light out of brokenness and darkness? What has he saved you from? How has he saved you? See, we need to let the goodness of God and his past faithfulness be the fuel for our present and our future faith. We need to remember, we need to call to memory what he has done and his proven track record of faithfulness to us in every season. As I come to a close, I want to um, just bring an image up on the screen behind me. And this is uh, called an ambiguous image. It's like a form of an optical illusion. And basically, it's a picture that can be seen and interpreted in different ways by different people. So for example, you've probably seen this one before. It's one of the most famous ones. When people look at this image, and now I know, I know, I know, there's going to be some smarty pants in here who are like, I can see both. Yeah, cool. Good for you. Um, For example, when people look at this image for the first time, they tend to see it one of two ways. They either see a young woman, or they see an older woman. And the point is, two people can be looking at the exact same thing, but they can see it entirely differently. See, it's a matter of vision. It's a matter of perspective. You can take that down. And so let me ask you, when the storms of life rise up around you, around us this year, Will you believe that Jesus has abandoned you, or will you believe that Jesus is with you? When the trials and troubles come, will we give in to fear, or will we see opportunities to exercise and deepen our faith in God? You see, the disciples, they didn't have a choice as to whether this storm came or not like regardless of what they desired regardless of what they were hoping for regardless of how they woke up that morning either way the storm was coming they had no say in that and i mean jesus he was even literally in the boat with them and the storm still came but no see the disciples choice was in how to respond in that moment whether to be overcome by the power of fear or to be bolstered By their faith in the Lord. See, following Jesus doesn't mean that we get to avoid all the difficulties and hardships that life often brings. Though we pray and we hope for peaceful, healthy, prosperous lives, following Jesus means that when the storms come, we can respond in faith in the midst of it because we trust the one who is by our side. That is the Christian life. It's not that we escape trouble, but that God is with us, delivering us, just like He did the disciples, whether in miraculous, instant ways that we get to witness and see and give Him glory for, or in slow, ordinary ways that we have to endure and persevere and and stick our heels in and daily make that decision to keep trusting and keep believing and keep hoping in His promises and what He's said and what He's done. So if you're listening today and you're not a Christian, I mean, maybe, maybe that's you, maybe you're here in the room or you're tuning in online, you happen to stumble across our live stream. Maybe this is all new for you. And I wanna let you know that this person, Jesus, he has already done what is necessary to deliver you from the one storm that we will all inevitably, inevitably face one day which is death. You see, Jesus chose to go to the cross and die for sinful people like you and me. And because he made that decision, because he voluntarily chose to enter into the storm of death and face God's anger towards sin, our wrongdoings, our failings, our rebellion on our behalf, those who trust in him receive forgiveness and life after death. And when we come to that day, we will meet our maker. We won't face a storm, but we'll face still peaceful waters, sailing into bliss and eternity with our Lord and Savior. And so as we transition to worship this morning, I want to pray for anyone who wants their 2022 to be defined not by fear, but by faith. And I also want to say, like, if you're someone who struggles or wrestles with anxiety, this is not a condemning word for you. Like I know that journey. Like I had panic attacks in 2018, 24 month journey with a psychologist every couple of weeks. You know, it's, it's not that involuntary sense of being frightened about something that we're talking about here, but what we're talking about is you know, what is gonna be the driving force in our lives? What's going to be our compass in the storm? What are we going to allow to direct our path and inform our decisions and how we act and live and move and breathe and relate to others? And so we, as, as we transition to worship, I want to pray for yeah anyone. So why don't you guys stand up. Let's stand up to our feet as we get ready to worship. And I want to pray for anyone who wants their 2022 to be defined, not by fear, but by faith. And so as we just close our eyes, if that's you, I just ask that, you know, I don't know your your situation. I don't know your story. But what I do know is we all need to be reminded that Jesus is in the boat with us and that he loves us and that even though we can't see the end of the storm, even though sometimes we don't know up from down, he sees it all and he knows it all and he has a plan and he's working for good. He hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forsaken us. And so if you want your year to be marked by by faith and not fear, and you want to kind of receive this prayer and take that step, I just ask you, just open up your palms just as an act of surrender to God, just as a little way to respond. Father God, Lord, you see us. Lord, you know us. You know our fears. You know our anxieties. You know the troubles that we face, that we face now, that we have over the last two years. And God, yet despite that, despite the hardships, I thank you that you have given us a way to know peace in the present, that you've given us a way to have faith in the midst. And it's not based or dependent on our external circumstances, which we know now, Lord, have been exposed to be so fickle, that change so quickly. Lord, but our our peace and our faith and our trust and our confidence and our hope can be found unshaken in you because you have a proven track record of faithfulness. You have been good to us, Lord. You continue to be good to us. And so for every person, Lord, who has been burdened, for every person who, who wants to just release those things to you, God, who wants their year ahead to be marked not by fear but by faith, I pray that you would meet us now, Lord, by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Would you come now and do a powerful work, Lord? Would you minister to us? Where we need to receive comfort, would you give us comfort, Lord? Where we need to receive challenge, would you do that, Lord? Where there needs to be healing from trauma that's happened, would you do that, God? And remind us, Lord, remind us, draw our minds and our hearts to remember who you are. And I pray, God, that this year we would be so aware in every season, no matter what we face, whether it's highs, whether it's lows, would we be aware so tangibly, Jesus, of your presence with us. That even as the storms rage outside of us, you are sitting there with us and you will never leave us, you will never forsake us and you will sustain us. Turn our hearts, Lord, now to worship you. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.